0: With me today is Adele Creighton and Rebecca Grover from Macquarie Bank. Adele Creighton leads the healthcare team at Macquarie Banking. Adele's been with Macquarie for over 14 years, starting in their wealth management division, but moved to the professional services industry banking early. She has seen businesses successfully navigate challenging situations and environments, building more adaptive organisations that thrive through change. Adele's focus in healthcare is to help businesses grow, change, capture opportunities, and realise their value aligned with their owners' objectives. Rebecca Grover is the healthcare lead in Macquarie's middle markets team. Rebecca has spent over 16 years in the financial services industry, providing banking solutions to small and mid-market sized businesses. Rebecca joined Macquarie in 2018 and has held roles within the healthcare segment. In her role in Macquarie's middle market business, she's focused on providing growth capital solutions primarily to mid-market private equity, privately held and private equity sponsored businesses.
1: Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Burge, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology.
0: Today, we'll be discussing themes canvassed in the recently published paper, Macquarie's Perspective on Health. You can read the report by going to www.macquarie.com slash health and look for Perspectives on Health, which you'll download and then you can download it from their site. Or you can get in touch with Adele and Rebecca via LinkedIn and they'll be happy to send you the report. Hey Adele, how are you?
1: Good, thank you Peter. Thanks so much for having us on your show.
0: My pleasure. And Rebecca, how are you?
1: Yeah, great thanks. Exciting to be on the Health Tip Podcast.
0: Of course. Yeah, it'd be great to get into some of the themes from the report and get your perspectives on everything. I might go to you back first. Just looking through the report and thinking more broadly, because you would have started this report Before COVID, before that hit. So before COVID, what was Macquarie seeing as the main opportunities for transformation in healthcare and what role did technology play in that view?
2: So before COVID, healthcare transformation was there, but it was really in its infancy and sort of only emerging in pockets. So it's fair to say that we saw a lot of potential for transformation, but there were factors that sort of were delaying this uptake of technology. Now, as we all appreciate, medicine has a foundation in evidence and many of the opportunities that we saw for transformation were around improving the patient experience. But many of the larger healthcare groups that we spoke to gained transformation insights from other industries and applied these to the parts of healthcare that they could influence, which really was these larger healthcare groups. The focus of their transformation plans was not just on efficiency, which we saw a lot of, but also on practitioner and patient experience. However, outside of these larger groups, the absence of a burning platform for change meant that many of the business owners in the other parts of the healthcare ecosystem, so be they had one or two clinics or to less scale, COVID's provided the platform for change that was missing before the pandemic Mm. and, Really, as a result of that, changes happened. But prior to that, the really the change that we saw was people talking about implementing practice management software and systems, which was really only from that operational efficiency perspective.
0: We were just tinkering around the edges before then, and really now we need to make transformational change. So, this is probably where the big difference is.
2: Absolutely. and You know, there's some good reasons for that. And in terms of there's obviously pressure on incomes and revenue that happened during COVID Hmm. and it did force like business owners to adapt and explore opportunities that previously maybe have seemed too hard or just not enough time to implement and those sort of things.
0: Macquarie works with small businesses in a number of sectors so not just health. From your perspectives how's the rate of transformation in healthcare been different compared to other industries that Macquarie might work with?
1: We can see that the uptake of technology and and really the innovation around that patient experience is it's slower in healthcare, not only to the other industries that we work with, but we can even look at Macquarie itself and and make a comparison there. But as Beck just said before, that it's necessarily slower. The significantly lower tolerance of failure, given the consequences of human health and life, means that it has to be. But really, most of your listeners would work in the healthcare ecosystem. So I actually, I don't need to explain how challenging it can be to implement change, you all know that it's hard, it's expensive and sometimes can be very time consuming. And in the report, what we do is we look at well, what are the barriers to innovate in the past, whether that's regulatory protection, the fact that the industry works in silos. So you'll often hear healthcare businesses and, and how busy they are and individuals and working across silos I means that coming together to implement change is, is really difficult. You've got litigation risk, but you've also got privacy concerns with digital solutions that I'm sure many of your health tech fellows would also be finding as a barrier and then you've got COVID that's come in and it has been that catalyst for change but a lot of these changes have been made out of necessity. Take telehealth for instance, physicians needed to see their patients and so therefore the uptake from a business sense and change management was easier for a healthcare business owner because it had to happen. I guess the conversation we're now having with healthcare business owners is how do you actually bottle that urgency for change management, those requirements that happen out of necessity in COVID. Now, how do you actually look at applying that across the changes that you want to make in your business that do benefit the patient, that do benefit your staff, that do benefit the doctors, and at the same time, the business?
0: Just to speak back to the point that Beck was mentioning before, but to you, Adele, there's been a lot of transformation in healthcare this year, obviously driven by COVID. If, if it wasn't for COVID, do you think we would have seen the same amount of transformation within healthcare just over a different time horizon?
1: It's hard to say with any certainty what would have happened without COVID. Like At some point, whether it's consumer sentiment or out-of-sector competitors or even payer resistance would have influenced change, yet it just would have happened over a longer horizon. We know that some of these out-of-sector competitors have a level of interest in healthcare transformation that will change the space. We know that some of these players are well-resourced and they're very experienced in other categories and are willing to actually apply what they've learned elsewhere to now healthcare. And if we take a look at Say the COVID period, in the space of a few weeks, many long-held beliefs and norms were actually changed. If you think about a lot of the plans for change that were on the radar for over, say, the next few years, all of a sudden, overnight were prioritised by organisations or industries or governments and executed. Take flexible working, for instance. Some businesses may not have even had flexible working in place. Some were almost against the idea. But COVID happens, we all have to work from home, became full-time and technology was upgraded. Working schedules adapted and team cadence also changed. You look from a contract perspective, like wet signatures on documents became impossible. So digital signing still in its infancy in some sectors, then overnight again became standard policy and legislation was updated. And so in healthcare, I guess one of those changes was the adoption of telehealth. And some businesses in our conversations, They found it quite challenging to implement and and it did take a couple of months and others were really quick to implement it. And there was one example in particular where they had actually looked out and saw what was happening overseas. They saw healthcare businesses implementing telehealth quickly and, and they chose to implement it before everyone else did here which meant that they were willing to be out of pocket for a certain period of time, really trusting the fact that things would change and seeing it as a really needed, a required solution for their patients. So they got that staff and the physician engagement. They educated their patients on what telehealth would look like for their practice. Shutdown happens and they were already providing this way of providing health in a different way.
0: I'm just looking through this report and it structures things in a nice logical way and there's good frameworks and different ways to understand the information that's presented, particularly for clinicians. They're helpful frameworks to help them understand their prosperity and to help them understand their path to prosperity. Take me through this dynamic between the emphasis on patient experience versus the level of scalability of a service and how that translates in a practical sense for a medical business in today's day?
2: Yeah, so with the perspective on health report, it does obviously discuss a lot of you know challenges, but also opportunities for medical businesses. You know, there are a lot of papers in market that discuss healthcare transformation from a technology perspective and about sort of the uptake and use. But what we wanted to do with this report was focus on how businesses and healthcare businesses could adapt to shifting the landscape. If you think of looking at the path to prosperity model in particular, the two axes are patient experience and scalability. Mm -hmm. So it's really designed for any medical business to be able to look at themselves and go, yeah, this is sort of where I see myself in terms of how I've thought about patient experience and then how I can potentially use further sort of transformation in my business to take me up I guess, that scalability curve. If you think of the timing now, we're at that point where there's things like telehealth have been implemented, not just in your general practice, but also we hear a lot from specialists how they've used telehealth. Allied Health Professionals is another one that have used that sort of telehealth. But now to go, right, that's great, I've done that, but how can I further leverage that? Someone I was speaking to recently who was saying, I'm a medical specialist, there's a small number of us within the country, there's a great need from a patient perspective, how do I take that specialist care to a wider range of people? There's obviously different options with different medical specialties and things like that, but sort of going down the route of exploring, right, how can I potentially provide specialist training to a group of GPs be that virtually or whatever to mean that I can provide that care to a wider base of patients so if you look at that all of a sudden they've come from being a medical specialist which can be high on patient experience but it's hard to get scale to then thinking about things differently and saying well I can actually provide that care to a wider base of patients when thinking about this differently
0: Obviously, in Australia as well, being such a great amount of land for us to cover and patients to travel anyway, pre COVID, having telehealth services enabled to allow them to see more of those patients is obviously good, not just from a a business perspective, but also from a patient care and service side of things as well, especially since patients have had a lot more experience with telehealth and it's okay after 2020. I'm interested though, as well, Beck. So, with this report, there's a lot of GPs that I speak to. On a day-to-day, they've probably got four or five years left until they retire, or they're not overly interested in being transformational within their health practice. They just want to be able to see patients. What's in this report for them, and what could GPs that just want to get on with the status quo, what can they be thinking about when they look at this report?
2: One thing to bear in mind, this is my perspective on the healthcare industry and transformation. It's not a big bang approach to dramatics or transformation. It's really those small sort of incremental changes they can implement that will make a difference to them. So, you know, if I think of aspects like even visiting my GP recently and prior to COVID, I think at best there was an online booking system. But now being able to have that sort of streamlined approach that from a practitioner's perspective that you've had the online booking done, there's been the questionnaire that comes through by text message prior to the consultation. They are no longer sort of as a practitioner scratching around going, what could they be coming in for? Mm. They've got that at their fingertips and they can just, I guess, focus on You've come in for this particular symptom or whatever, but then equally going, right, having more time with them to then go, well, have actually, have you thought about some other aspects and looking at more of a holistic approach to that?
0: And Adele, like once we get past COVID, because I'm sure it'll happen eventually, do you think that the temptation to just go back to the way things were like the good old days, will that be too much for a medical practice? Or do you think the, I don't know, the metaphorical toothpaste is already squished too far out of the tube?
1: I like the way that you've put that. We have actually looked at it in detail in our report. the The discomfort of of rapid change, us as humans, like often you want to go back to to normal. You want to go back to how it was, and we've like I've had many conversations with people in industry that are saying that they you know can't wait for things to return, but. Those others, healthcare business owners that have looked at this and and realised that, wow, well, COVID has actually provided a catalyst for rapid change and has delivered an opportunity to implement permanent change. And Beck just spoke before about going, okay, so now that's done, what's next? And that's what we want to encourage business owners to look at. Okay, they've made the changes in 2020. Now it's about strategically sitting down and planning for that next horizon of growth. How do you align strategy to opportunity? Because If they do that, then we do see that they can be successful and they can build enduring business value. Mm. And then you go, okay, well, what is the opportunity? And I think it comes back to then that problem that we've raised where really the patients and caregivers can carry the biggest burdens and gaps in in their patient journey outside of consultation. And how do businesses look to smooth this and whether that's technology that also enables that process. There's lots of thinking to be done. We know that there needs to be influences and levers like funding and access and integration and regulatory reforms and patients taking an active role in their own care. We know that that also needs to happen, but really it's that planning, that working out where to take the healthcare business next is is what we're trying to encourage healthcare businesses to think about.
0: In the report, there was an area, the part that particularly interested me was around the Burden that patients carry as part of all of this. So, Adele, what problem should GPs be solving for when it comes to the load that their patients carry? Like what does the research in the report show?
1: We've looked at it in a few different ways. In the report, it's interesting if you think about the Australian healthcare system and the the paradox that it is really, whilst it's engineered to get better patient outcomes. It's actually the patients and their caregivers that carry the biggest burdens in terms of gaps in system or process or, or treatment paths. The research that we did, we actually teamed up with a healthcare design consultancy firm, Design to Bias, and they were looking at how clinicians could lower the burden for patients, especially those with with chronic conditions, and really through that. Research to bias tracked patient experience outside of consultation. So, again, I'm not talking about in those clinical interactions, but outside consultation, and just looked at well, what are patients impacted by? And we go into a lot of detail in that report, but also what they want to feel. And I, I think it's really interesting then talking to healthcare business owners, and a few come to mind, and I'll collate a few examples as to how the changes in their business over the years has really been patient driven. And when you map it back to what patients want to feel and what they're impacted by, a lot of those changes for the better have been driven by those factors. A couple of examples, thinking about setting up patient workshops to educate patients and to drive important conversations. And from those, how does the healthcare business take on or make change? Even thinking about what does a a patient feel when they come into consultation, given the screen positioning of the computer screen to both the physician plus the patient and their caregiver to be able to see or change in shape of table to all feel included in that care or even have another example where the patient journey was where they had to go from one centre to then diagnostic at another off-site centre to treatment another centre back to where the original treatment was and that's really difficult for a patient when they're already quite vulnerable in a, in a state that they need further support. So this business actually brought all of those aspects and solutions together to be able to smooth that patient journey. And the feedback then was one less thing for the patients who are quite sick to have to worry about. It's not just what big change a healthcare business is going to make to have a big impact. I actually think it's about narrowing their focus to make small iterations along the way, because as Beck said before, incremental shifts will actually transform business over time.
0: Yeah. And there's some good little tips in there for GPs around Australia that are quite simple to implement that can make a material difference when combined. And so Beck, just thinking further on that idea, and there's a bit of a thought piece in the report around like what the practice of the future looks like in Australia. From your perspective, what does the practice of the future look like?
2: It's a question that we spend a lot of time thinking about. We're having conversations with a lot of our clients and healthcare groups out in market. Their sort of question is what now, sort of what next? In my view, putting together a lot of these insights that we've gained from those sort of conversations, the practice of the future is one that's really developed around three pillars. So in my mind, these are patient experience, practitioner experience and delivering care at scale. And achieving these sort of three pillars in a sustainable way. So if I think on patient experience, there's a lot of things that can be done. And I think reflecting on a conversation with the bulk billing group recently, obviously Bulk billing can be hard to achieve, you know, value and scale and all of that sort of together. But the talk about for them patient experiences, well, if they operate a walk-in model or at least a partially walk-in model for patients around having like an app where the patient can effectively put their name down to, to see a GP from a location that's not physically in the the practice, equally doing some of those pre-qualification questionnaires. When they do enter the practice, it is it's not a lot of time spent waiting around. You know, little things like that and thinking about what the patient's pain points are from visiting your practice as well can be useful. You know, on the practitioner experience, so there's a few medical specialists that we've spoken to that have said, you know, a real bonus of COVID for them has actually been, well, I can actually work from home partially and that might be a consult from home virtually for a day a week or something like that and that's meant I guess for you know work-life balance and caring responsibilities and and all of that that's been hugely beneficial Mm. but on the other side of it as well it's meant they can actually pick up extra hours and feel like they can spend more time in in front of patients it's kind of around i guess having a culture in a, a medical business that does attract the level of specialists that you're seeking and you know make it a place that they want to work focusing again what's important to them in practicing medicine and some of those small things like you know day or even half a day a week from home something like that can be really useful So when you look at delivering, you know, care at scale and in a sustainable way, it's not about seeing a greater number of patients per day, but it's having a really clear business strategy that defines both the type of patients and practitioners that you want to have in your business. And then building a model around this. So I guess focusing firstly on highly skilled people in areas where they add the most value to patients and the business and then minimising tasks that could be done elsewhere by others. It's really about thinking about the medical specialists where they can spend most time with patients on their complex medical needs rather than things like the administrative burden or that sort of thing that comes with medicine currently.
0: The vision of the future practice are all accessible transformations that don't seem too far-fetched and and don't require a great deal of investment or huge change. But I I guess it's a shift in mindset to help the practitioner get to that point of view. So that's um, some interesting Mm. things to delve into there. And so how far out do you think some of these transformations will be?
2: Yeah, look, that's a really great question. And if you'd asked me that a year ago, given the rate of change at the time, I probably would have said about 10 years. But, you know, COVID and the pandemic has really accelerated this. So I think those businesses that are taking into account the sort of areas that we've discussed around patient experience, practitioner experience, and what the right scale in, is in your business, that could be here in a much sort of sort of time timeframe, perhaps sort of that's sort the
0: of three year mark. Mm-hmm. And lastly, back. So if I was an Australian doctor reading this report, what should I be thinking about doing next?
2: So the Perspective on Health report is one that does focus on the business opportunity. So when you're thinking about the business opportunity for your health business, it's ensuring that you're really clear on your goals and what you're seeking to gain out of your healthcare business and then from there, it's looking at the gap. So that may be doing analysis yourself on your business, using advisors and things like that. But equally, it's really important to get feedback from you know both patients and all of your teams that work within your business because this will help, I guess then define, where the opportunities for improvement are in your business and having that mapped against strategy is where that real transformational change can happen. So thinking about those aspects are hugely important.
0: Fantastic. Thank you. Adele and Beck. I'll put a link to the report in the show notes of this episode so people can access it and read more about what you guys do at Macquarie, particularly in relation to healthcare businesses. So some fantastic insights and I appreciate your time on the show today to go through them all.